0: Hello, and welcome to Maine Education Matters. I'm Matt Druett-Card, uh, your host for today. Thank you very much for downloading, listening, and sub- continuing to subscribe to our little endeavor here uh, as we navigate whatever's happening out in the world with the legislation, with DOE, et cetera. Uh, today, we have a very special uh, episode as we are discussing an issue that is really important, um, has been important for a while now to every Maine school, And that's going to be the issue of attendance and attendance and engagement and we're going to be talking about those things uh with some folks from the count me in organization and from some principals across the state so uh susan would you mind starting us off and introducing yourself
1: hi my name is susan lieberman
2: and i'm the director for count me in all right i am angela madigan principal at waterboro elementary school in waterboro maine
3: I am Cecilia Siriani. I am the Outreach Services Coordinator for our um, RSU 57 school district.
0: So thank you all very much for having this conversation with us today to share some ideas of what's been happening uh, and what's we're, we're seeing right now and where we're going to go. I'd like to kind of frame in general the conversation today um, around three major uh, questions or ideas. One, um, since we're, we're all in this COVID mindset kind of thing, a, a pre-COVID what were we seeing in terms of attendance and engagement happening before we went out last March? Um, went out of in-person instruction and, and the world flipped upside down. Uh, what's been happening since COVID in terms of attendance and engagement, and what are the lessons that we might be learning going forward uh, from here? So, uh, Susan, did you teed it up a little bit? Why don't you give us a little bit of a background, a little bit about what Count Me In is, and then we can get into the discussion a little bit about how the how Celia and Angel, how you all. Um, have been, what, do you, what you've been doing in the past few years or so.
1: Sure, sure. Um, Count Me In started in 2013. It was actually a result of conversations that were happening all around the state about um, graduation rates, dropout rates and about students at risk. And um, there was a group of different councils all around the state and um, some educators attended the councils and said, if you wanna look at all of these issues, you really need to address the elephant in the room, which is attendance. And we need to look at the elementary school, not just start in the high school. So we started to look at what was the status of um, absenteeism, particularly chronic absenteeism around the state, Um, those kids who have missed 10% or more of the school year. And we found that there was a large number. And so as a result of that, and the conversations with a lot of community stakeholders, we developed Count Me In. And one of the um, some of the primary areas of Count Me In is we're looking at attendance is about accessing opportunities to learn, and so that's relevant whether it's pre COVID, COVID, or post COVID. Um, and we also really understood that if absenteeism is a sign and symptom of something else that's happening in the student's life, that's it's important we focus on the relationships. Um, And Count Me In, we see attendance as an opportunity to focus on building positive relationships with students, as well as building connections with families. Some of the areas that we really focused on is that a lot of schools had one person working on um, attendance and the issue of attendance. We wanted to move that to one person working in isolation to a school-wide effort with teams. The other area was, instead of relying on our existing beliefs as to what actually is what we think is happening with families is that it was really important to listen and form positive relationships with families. And the other piece was that we often looked at attendance as punitive. If a child wasn't there, then we needed to crack down and um, it was almost a punishment approach. And what we've said is let's build those positive uh, relationships that overcome those barriers and understand what those barriers are so that we can um, address them. So I think that is particularly relevant, whether we're talking about pre post or during COVID.
0: I absolutely agree. I, I can't, I can only imagine why well, I I know how much um, relationships matter more than anything else. You're not gonna do, be able to do uh, anything, any kind of significant substantial uh, s- systemic or whatever kind of alliteration I could use, change uh, without that level of relationship. We are in a human-oriented, a human-driven business, quote unquote, and without the humans involved, it ain't going anywhere, quick.
2: I think that's kind of what turned our ship here at Waterboro too, Matt, is when this was first brought on as a new initiative here at Waterboro, because we did have a a high chronic absenteeism rate, um, it, it came through to teachers as we need to crack down on attendance. And their response was not favorable at first. It was, oh gosh, that's that's not my job. Like, what do you mean? How can sure. I play a part in that? And when we reframed that, and Susan was a, a big help in this, reframing that as, no, that's that's not what we mean. This is about building relationships with our families and making connections and finding out how we can support and help them and get their kids here learning, then it went from um a negative response to an okay i can do that but how Um, and that that really developed into you know us modeling with counselors and administrators how how that actually looks to pick up a phone and have a conversation with a family it involved scripting um, it involved a lot of pieces sharing out with each other about what they found out and how it's helped in their own classrooms. So, a lot of peer sharing was happening. And then, you know, using that data to show them the impact that they were making. Um, so, all of those things and getting those groups together to do that and, and spread the word and look at the families that we need to be connecting with the most. Um, has really made a huge impact here at Waterboro. We we went from near 10% to pre-COVID. We were um, looking at around 3% for chronic absenteeism within five years. So it was it was a hugely impactful initiative that was taking place and is still taking place. We're still you know figuring out all of the little pieces, and especially here with COVID, we're in a whole new world. Um, sure. So yeah. We're finding out that those connections that we need are, are helping us now um, because it was already established pre-COVID that families knew that they could rely on us and we would support them and get them resources. Now they're comfortable coming to us when they're in need. Um, so it's, it's a different level that we didn't anticipate, but one that, that we've been able to help so many families. Our attendance is actually very good um, right now, it's, it's higher than it's ever been for many reasons, um, and offering, you know, our students a remote opportunity has been immensely helpful with with getting everyone on board. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let Cecilia speak to that too in a second, but one one quick thing, Matt, that you pointed out and we can talk more about in a minute um, is the difference between participation and engagement. And that Mm -hmm. is certainly a battle that we're fighting right now.
0: Everyone is. (laughs) Everyone is right there trying to figure out how to do it. So I'm sorry, Cecilia. What what about your? What's a little bit of your story? So
3: I'm just going to start with that and go back a little bit. But we are. We're redefining engagement. We're redefining what that looks like and what that means. Um, And that's been that's been a challenge in and of itself. Um, I want to go back to when we. COVID we've spoken a little bit about and our school really worked as each of them each Susan and Angela have spoken that it was really individual work that attendance was being done and now it became a school community effort and it even included people outside of school but really the community as a whole really started looking at attendance and participating in conversations um and it right it definitely moved from this punitive Europe there's a judgment on you because your child's not attending or there's a judgment on you as a student because you're not attending to let's understand what how we can help you get re-engaged and so then that fast forwards to this COVID time we've been in it laid this beautiful foundation for us because we have over the last five years right five years been working with Count Me In and working with the community, people in the community, medical community within our schools to make attendance a priority and to be working on building connections and um, with not just families, I mean, the parents but with the students as well. And we've been able to open up conversations much earlier in the process, instead of waiting till it got to this high level of absenteeism, we've been able to open up those conversations much earlier, which allowed some trust to be built, some humanness to be built, and, um, and converse real genuine organic conversations to happen about what was happening for students and families. And so during this time of COVID, because that foundation was laid, it was, I don't wanna say a smooth transition, but it was very commonplace for a teacher to be talking to a parent on this very different level than we had probably five years ago. Um, and administrators to be talking to a family on a really different level. And it opened up some communications that enabled us to work with a family to help keep a student engaged in whatever that meant for learning and as well as for safety and other community resources.
0: So we've all touched on something here and I think it's worth a little bit of exploring and something I did want to get into, but um, I'd like to, if can we get an operational definition of what attendance actually means? Because that's if, if, if we're talking about what attendance is, that's something I think that we all need to figure out and make sure And because that's something that I'm seeing Right, we all thought we knew what it meant. And then, uh, to quote Hamilton, the world turned upside down, and now we're not so sure that it means that so a pre COVID. Uh, operational definition of attendance would have been what
1: based on state statute which is based on the concept that kids were in person
0: butts in seats
3: butts in seats
0: yep so they, they they crossed they crossed the threshold into the Buts building in school
3: yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, well they're always in seats let's be honest (laughs) there's always they move from one chair to another chair that's that's but that's a big portion of a a kid's off uh, traditional day um sometimes that chair moves when they're on the bus um and uh so but that's that that was how it was traditionally looked at if they are not there even if they were doing some kind of remote learning aspect of it generally speaking they were not considered in attendance correct
2: so in March, this is when our world turned upside down and we had to ask those questions. So we had, in the spring, we had a different way of looking at attendance. And it was that we know the child is safe and is checking mm-hmm. in at some point. What that looked like for each and every student was different.
0: At so some point during so, the day or some point during the week or at some point.
2: It, it could be varied, it varied. It okay. Uh, some were a weekly check-in because that is all the family could manage and we of had course. to be okay with that. Um, and we had to to know that they were still doing packets or reading at home at that time in the middle of a crisis. We had to let that slide, um, you know, so so knowing the child was safe and, and okay and they're still participating in some form or fashion. Um, for every student it looked a little bit different. Um, the vast majority were logging in every day and doing what they needed to every day, but we did have a a large population that we needed to make uh, different plans for. Um, However, coming into this year, it's definitely a little bit different. Um, So our district is offering um, five days in person, uh, pre-K through 12, or you Mm -hmm. may choose to do that remotely, Um, but it's five days that you're here so we are currently again trying to redefine what attendance means especially for our remote learners who may be on the screen but their video might be out or they might not be responding to questions that the teacher is asking or they might be um, you know 10 minutes late to class or they've they've checked in and they've got the lesson but they bopped out of class early so we're we're still in the throes of trying to figure out what present means and is it a percentage of the day that they're there? Is it, you know, we, we are doing, we are having parents call when they need to, to get on a little bit later in the day and we'll mark that as a tardy or if they need to leave early for some reason and we'll mark that as a dismissal just as we would for an in-person student. But but where it gets a little hairy is the in the middle of the day when when kiddos are in and out remotely. Um, and that's, that's where we're struggling right now mm-hmm. a little bit to define present and engaged um, for our school and our learners.
3: And I think just to, again, add on to that, and what you just said was a perfect segue because present and engaged. So we, when we were pre-COVID, we had lots of kids who were present, but not engaged, right? Not, par- not participating, sure. not buying in, not any of those things, right? Not motivated in, for whatever reason. Of course. So that's that is now again sort of redefined for us. What does that look like? Because we have kids who are remote and are doing the best they can to log in, and they're doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff with doing work on either in some buildings Google Classroom or at the elementary level. Sorry, I don't know what they're working with. Seesaw. Seesaw. Thank you. And um,
0: so it seems to be a very popular platform across. the Yeah. State.
3: So just trying and, and just so they might be engaged in some parts of that, but don't love the Zoom, but they're so engaged in the learning part.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: is that really attendance and engagement versus I signed on to Zoom, but I'm not really interacting? It's it's uh, again, we also have the state making some of those definitions, right,
0: and, re- a, it's a, it's a- and also
3: redefining those. It's for a fascinating
0: sure. question, because I, I wonder, is being in person and disengaged for 60 minutes better than being you know, in a synchronous environment, than being in an asynchronous environment and being engaged you know, for, and being engaged for 15, 20 minutes, but then showing the deep learning, mm-hmm. showing that level of, what, of the commitment that they're actually doing it. So I think that's where this kind of question is that, that I'm leading to, is we knew what it was before. It was just people being here. Then we're gonna we're gonna work on engagement, but clearly the, the most important thing is being here. Well, now being here might not be an option anymore um, for many families. I know my family; we are full remote. We're, we we we've made that choice for our kids. We have some pre-existing things, and we had to make that that really tough decision. And there is no wrong decision in all of this. They're all hard decisions, and they're all good decisions in the end. Because um, you're making it for your family and for what's was best for you and for your kiddos, so that's where I, I kind of want to know: to what extent do we think that both uh, engagement, participation, and attendance—when does that? When do those? Th- that language become synonymous. I, that's my point. We yeah. are <laughs> pondering
3: that ourselves, right? right? <laughs> that's a great so,
0: question. So then, I, I think guess that's the, the
1: sixty-four million dollar question. Yeah.
0: So that, so let me pose, pose this. Is that a goal? Do we want that to be a goal? Is that something where we want to be able to say to them, we don't care if you come in or show your face or show yourself on the screen or whatever it is. Because what matters was if we can make the one, the relationship connect, if we can make the relationship matter, make it deep, and then still monitor, support, and see the level of engagement and deep learning, does the physical presence, either synchronous or asynchronous, does that matter as much anymore?
3: That's a great question. Is that question.
0: where we wanna go? Is exactly. that where, where
3: Because there's a so level, hard. oh, go ahead.
2: Ultimately, that is our goal, is to get them to that deep learning. And we know that they all do it differently. Um, a couple of things though, I think number one, it varies by classroom. Uh, I think what we see in one classroom mm-hmm. Is not the same as another, and it can be okay in one classroom but not in another. So there is a level of um, professional development with teachers to make sure that that their instruction is offering that that deep engagement opportunity. Um, the other piece of it, though, especially here at the elementary level, I would I would argue all the way through um, is the the social learning that happens too. Um, so I think. Them missing out on the social piece of it, even if it is on screen, you can still see faces and and you know, figure out those social cues and and take people's perspectives. I think that's another really big piece of what we do that isn't academia per se, but it's a huge part of learning for our students. So it would be hard to let that piece go. Oh, no doubt. And I think that's as, was... as, a,
0: as a parent of a seven-year-old, I very much see the need of my kid needing to go and interact with other kids. <laughs> I very much see that sorry go ahead Celia you were gonna say and
3: and that's where I was gonna start it some of those what we used to call softer skills right I don't even know what we call them anymore they're just real life skills just skills um, just skills right real life interactions being human but not even for ourselves as adults when we were fully remote that that sort of yearning to like can't wait to be on zoom to see my at my staff meeting because I kind of miss seeing people um I think it's important that there is a balance of that for students. And there is um, some real value absolutely in mm-hmm. physically being present, whether that's on screen or in person, but, but engaging um, with other people. I think that's there's valuable lessons to be learned just in conversations that kids have. And I sit in between two classrooms in my office and I can hear some really neat things going on. Sure. Um, over Zoom while the teachers teaching in the classroom, and um, and I'm seeing and hearing kids engaging who are at home in the class and they're participating in the classroom. And so it's pretty neat to be able to see that and hear that. Um, it is. We we are again at the state level, and I think all around the country, right? People are redefining what what's important. How are kids learning? What does attendance mean when kids aren't here? How do we decide what that means? And um, is it us def- is it us deciding what it means, or is it us listening to what families are needing and what families are um, are trying to tell us, and then us modifying and and mm. and responding accordingly. Like Angela said last year, we had numerous students who, zoom in the middle of the day was not going to work and what were some other options and so those kids could have been marked absent and we could have made an absolute decision about what that meant and instead i think because of our count me in work because of the work we've done as a community we stopped and pushed pause and said okay let's listen to what that is besides that we were in a pandemic we we had already been starting to do that stopping and listening and not assuming what that absent meant. And then building on what parents were and families were telling us they needed. And I think we had a lot more true engagement because of that. One of the
2: challenges with that though, Matt, as we kind of venture down that path of really connecting and having special circumstances and situations and things is um, the trade-off of objectivity. So it, it's really hard to be objective with present not present right there are only two options here um versus having to make a judgment call on on students and cases and you know the situations mm-hmm. that are happening at home so i think it people shy away from that because it's it's hard to be the one to make those calls and then if you get questioned and you know you have to really defend why why this child can do something one way and and this sure. child isn't able to do that or it just the the waters get a little murky. Um but it, it all comes back to what's best for the student and and you know really supporting and making sure that they're available to their learning as much as possible. Um, but I think that might be a hesitation for a lot of folks with with really getting intimate with families and, and understanding what their needs are and um you know making those mm-hmm. those accommodations for
1: them. With some what some folks have been looking at is really breaking it down into different steps. So do you have the correct contact information for the family? And I understand that that mm-hmm. can change regularly. Um, do they have some co- sort of connectivity? And I, um, as many gains have been made, there are still families where that's that's still an issue. Um, and, Very much and, so. And, and for teachers as well, um, mm-hmm. because of where they live. Then the other piece is, is there a relationship? Do they have a connect? Does a student have a connection with somebody? Is there a direct connection? Sometimes when, when a student has multiple teachers, we don't know who that child is connected to. Um, and then the, other, um, then the other piece is um, participation. What type of participation um, and what are we looking at? What, what reflects that learning? And then comes the gold standard of engagement
3: and the last piece I'm going to add in is accountability. That's another word that we keep hearing. And that's another word that's ad- been added to that list of re- redefining. What does accountability look like?
2: Mm-hmm. And I think
3: Angela made some mention to that, you know, like holding, how are we holding people accountable? And what does that even mean? Or what does that even look like at times? Right. Um, but
1: it's hearing each family story and each mm-hmm. story to understand Absolutely. what that means for the, the, um, older student who is taking care of their younger siblings and making sure they attend school, um, their accountability may be that they are doing this work in the evening mm-hmm. and taking advantage of recorded lessons.
0: Yeah, you might have a, you might have a family where a kid uh, in, in a high school age has to go to work in order to uh, supplement the, the, the layoff or the, the, the firing, whatever it is of a parent has to go help to supplement with family income and may not be able to be there and present during the particular times of day. So you're gonna have real family and then other times maybe the older kid is having to watch the younger kids at home because uh, it's actually being that um, that homeschool quote unquote teacher for those particular kiddos. So uh, what what I'm what I'm what I'm really hearing is that pre-COVID we had a very broad but a very um quantifiable system in place where we could say we could just check off a box present not present tardy and, and it had all these other little categories to it and we could easily measure things like chronic absenteeism although i will say once you start getting into things like it once you peel back that first layer of the onion it starts to stink and you know it, it all it all just kind of gets gets into context from there But what I'm hearing now is that more than ever, we've now uncovered that part of the onion and we're in the midst of the onion. And so we have to figure out ways in which to be measuring fairly, I've heard objectively, um, but I've also heard ways of being um, in a way personalized. So then how, how might we do personalized levels of attendance? across a state that is a local control oriented district by district state and i'll just gonna i I will walk back because you know you're going to solve this issue all right now for everyone so go go ahead and solve it thank you very much
3: that's another whole podcast right
0: (laughs) (laughs) you made me starve (laughs) oh i have tea up my nose (laughs) Um, No, but that, but that, but that is, it's a huge question. And another, another, another major part of the huge, of this huge question that is it's an elephant in the room Mm -hmm. is our legislation is, is, is the statutory language behind attendance and how it's all about numbers and days. And uh, when you have things like our federal accountability systems that are tied to chronic absenteeism, let's say, that then also get down into hours of the day. So if you have to, you know, 50% of the day is what counts for, um, instruction that's how you count uh, an attendance that impacts classrooms that impacts schools that impacts a whole lot so then, how do you do that in a during COVID and post COVID time because I'm not sure if COVID's going to be going away anytime soon um, so we have to redefine this as as we're as we're doing it um, sorry anyone have anything to say on that or could look like someone wanted to jump in
2: I was just going to say at the local level, I think that's where the teams come into play is having you know, a a person like Susan who is at the state level who can really be a part of that team and and jump in when you have questions. Um, Having someone at the district level, like we have Cecilia, um, who's able to to be across the district and across the schools and make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, And then having the school-based team where we can really dig in the dirt. Uh, if you will, and, and, sure. and look at each case and make sure that that we're getting to the families who need us. But I think, again, Matt, it all comes back to those relationships. Uh, regardless of what the numbers say, what the numbers report, it's about the students and the relationships with the families and getting them here, um, getting them to, to have food, getting them to have a warm place to be, a safe place to be every day. Um, mm-hmm. And then- it, there's learning, which is, you know, the reason we're here. So um, I think that's that's kind of the big goal that that we're hoping for. And um, it definitely helps to have, you know, Cecilia and, and Susan a part of that team so we can make sure that we're reaching all the places we need to reach and reporting the numbers we need to report, but having those really important conversations uh, and connections on the ground level.
1: The other thing I wanted to just mention when you talk about a benefit that's happened during covid um, is that through zoom last spring teachers and staff all of a sudden had a glimpse into students lives and so um, that they may not have known or seen before so all of a sudden um, They're noticing and understanding students responsibilities at homes or their access to resources at home. And when we did a survey of almost 700 um, staff. We people, um, there was a high percentage of staff that stated they now have a better understanding of a student's life outside of school, Mm -hmm. which I think can influence their interactions, their future interactions with students. And, and actually also, they suddenly, many staff for the first time um, were interacting with families in a different way. Um, they had this mm. conversation before. And so that was truly a benefit for people to actually have increased conversations with families.
0: Well, yeah, the context absolutely matters in a kid's life. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's very rarely the case where a kid's is gonna choose for, for no reason whatsoever um we're just not gonna just not gonna do school there are other things that are leading to that decision um so let's just let's, let's this has been a great conversation um i know there's some things happening at the count me in coming up some uh, some uh, events happening w- would you mind sharing what those are
1: we do have um a, a training coming up it's called transitioning to um transforming school climate and culture during covid because what we've learned is that we can talk about attendance, we can talk about um, getting students back in the building, but that's just one step one. next step comes fostering a positive school climate culture so that they want to stay. Mm -hmm. And that's talking about those relationships, staff to staff, staff to students, staff to families, um, as well as staff to administrators. So that's, and we thought it was really important to have that conversation, so we're offering two half-day interactive sessions for teams. um, We have one coming up tomorrow, Wednesday, October 28th and November 4th. um, And that one's full, but we do have, we still have openings for our Friday session, which is um, November 6th and November 13th, 8.15 to 11 a.m. And we're asking people to come with their teams because one person can hear the information, a team can actually make the changes and really um, put that effort forward in their school.
0: So we'll put the links to those into our, any kind of blast out that we have and um, we will get get people to see if we can attend. And I think that one of the things that's most important that we go from here is um, focusing on relationships Um, As we've been, as we've been talking about for a long time here, um, especially on here uh, on our little podcast here, it's the relationships that matter the most, you're not going to be able to get to any academics, you're not gonna be able to get to anything unless there's a safe environment and you build a safe environment through the relationships. Um, I know a lot of districts when we went out in March actually did that they focused mostly on. The relationship, the connecting, making sure that the schools and the teachers were still maintaining a, a strong connection to their to their uh, students. And I know that a lot of those schools that didn't do that, that just tried to maintain some kind of academic normalcy, they struggled. They struggled more because th- those relationships weren't being built in this new way. And we have to build those and maintain them. And it's really friggin' hard.
1: It's really hard, and people have to remember trust isn't built overnight. If you've had a tenuous mm-hmm. relationship with an institution or an individual, um, it, it, requi- it takes time to build that relationship and build that trust um, and requires a series of consistent steps. But it does pay off. It just, we need to be patient sometimes and mm-hmm. take the time to make that effort.
0: Yep, and we, we often, all too often just want it to happen right away, but it doesn't happen. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Cecilia Siriani, Angela Madigan from RSU 57 and Waterboro, and uh, Susan Lieberman from uh, Count Me In for joining us, for coming on today to talk about uh, a really important and challenging topic that we're all facing. Um, I'm hoping to continue the conversation as we go forward in different ways and continue to, to uh, press the issue of how we might redefine attendance in these particular days and times, knowing that, that attendance can't be as it always has been. And if we go to that Winston Churchill quote, never let a good crisis go to waste, then what is it that we're learning? What is it we had before that worked? What is it that we've learned since we're learning? And what is it we want to keep? And what is it we want to throw away? And I hope that uh, we as a state can come together and start having some real Hard, meaningful conversations at both the practical implementation level, but also at the state legislative level to support what it really means to uh, personalize learning, what it really means to understand that um, attendance can mean more than just a butt in a school, a butt in a classroom, that it can mean so much more than that. And we actually now have been, have, have shined the light on the fact that there are many different lenses by which we can actually measure both attendance, engagement, and participation. I said both. I said three things. I know that's grammatically incorrect. I apologize. I'm, I'm not an English major. Uh, so thank you again very much for, for listening. Uh, and again, uh, Cecilia, uh, Angela, and uh, Susan, thank you again for joining us. And please make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Maine Ed Matters or on our Facebook page, Main education matters, Facebook.com slash main education matters. And we will talk again to you soon. Thanks again for listening. Bye.